good. You get enough we'll space. Get more, we'll get more water. Well, yeah, you want it, you want it on hand with the water because yep. you never know. It's an old trick of the trade. The mouth, the lips, the tip of the tongue. You want to keep it deepens the voice by an octave. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not that deep. You sound like you're about to seduce a woman. <laughs> Maybe I am. With what you're saying. <laughs> I don't mean that's what's happening here. But <laughs> that'll, be in the, that'll be in the shorts. Oh, dear. <laughs> We're off to a great start. Oh, we are, aren't we? <laughs> Terrible. Terrible podcast host. All right. You've got your notes. I like it. Got my notes. You ready? Got my bits. That's yeah, it. I'm ready. This is good. I'm excited. I like someone who's prepared. Good. So guys, we're here. Welcome back to another episode of the Fearless Training Raw Knowledge Podcast. As ever, with your host, myself, Alex Connor. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for all of the new reviews and ratings lately. Means a lot. And as ever, I'm back with another talented guest. I'm with Fiona Ireland. Hopefully got that right. You did. Thank you. You did well. Appreciate it. Or always ask, you know, because you never know these days with enunciations. So let's start off at the beginning. First of all, tell us who you are, what you do, but more importantly, as ever, why you do it. Okay. So my name's Fiona. I have been in the beauty industry for 25 plus years. So shaping eyebrows, doing facial treatments back in the spa days when it was all about relaxing and being nurtured and cared for. And that's what drew me into it because I love that nurturing side of looking after people. And then I morphed into derm dermal therapies, so specifically medical skin treatments. Right. And I worked for a doctor for six years, yeah. um, a skin cancer doctor. And I went into more high-end dermal therapy treatments. Mm -hmm. And then I suffered with bad skin myself during that time. So my interest peaked and I wanted to find out, get under the, the boot of the cover and dig deep and find out what, what was gonna work, what wasn't working, because mm. everyone's a little different. When it comes to problem skin, there's no one size fits all. Um, and then before I separated in my marriage, I, I had this innate desire to go into tattooing, mm -hmm. like cosmetic tattooing. So creating eyebrows, eyeliner and lip tattooing. And I wasn't in a position while I was married to be able to spread my wings and do that. Mm -hmm. So when I got my divorce, I branched out into cosmetic tattooing. So creating those anchor points for the face. Because um, as we age, we tend to lose eyebrow hair, colour, shape. Mm. And the same with eyelashes and we lose our lip line, it fades and we just lose those anchor points in our face that we then start to feel a little tired when we look in the mirror and then you might be wearing glasses so you can't see to put your eyebrows on every day. Um, so the tattooing creates that beautiful anchor points for the face. Mm. And then now I have also morphed into paramedical tattooing, which is a whole other world of helping people feel good and it's medical tattooing is the healing tattooing it's the tattooing that's created to conceal something rather than stand out on the body so body art is created to stand out mm. and you know be obvious and celebrated and there's usually a reason for that tattoo and it's the same for paramedical tattooing there'll be a reason there'll be something behind that tattoo that scarring that's maybe trauma or an accident or surgery or 
yeah, there's a few areas we can go into with that. Mm. But it's a healing tattoo because it can create healing for that person by concealing it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that so. makes sense. Now, I appreciate the rundown and, and we're going to deep dive, as you said, into some of those avenues, if yes. you will. Something that stood out for me then is the anchor points. Yep. And you talked about, you know, those being the key features or maybe the, I guess, um, main focal points that we have. Due to age, is it partly from gravity and that the skin softens and drops? And there's obviously lots of things which affect aging, you know, it might be sun exposure, it might be again, genetic factors and things like that. Do you think based on your knowledge, there are technologies apart from what you are doing that will be able to reverse aging that we will see in the next decade? For example, will there be other technologies or therapies that come in place that are gonna dramatically change the game? For example, and this might be a little bit too left field, but you know, we look at um, geneticists, people like David Sinclair, people who are sort of messing with DNA to be able to inject and rejuvenate DNA and RNA. Do you think any of that's gonna be more plausible or do you think there's gonna be something that you can see or predict in your field that will change the game or do you think it's just gonna keep evolving at such a pace of what we're doing now? I think we've gotta be really careful with science and aging and I think we've got to accept that we're aging and mm. there can be an aging gracefully. This is my philosophy mm. behind it. Mm. We mess with it too much. The same with, okay, what we've got, we deal with now is Botox and fillers mm. and mm. surgery, like facelift surgery, brow lift surgery, neck surgery. You chase that 5% yeah. of perfection, you look like a freak. You just don't look like yourself. So I think it's the same for mm. all of those other things that will, more, will come into our lives. But why are we, why are we so afraid of aging? Because mm. you can still do things that help you feel fresh, look fresh. Mm. So you wake up in the morning, you don't look cranky and you're not cranky because your face is dropping. You can do things that are subtle. You can look after your skin mm. and make it you know, appear really fresh and healthy. Like look after the skin health of your skin. Mm. And this is a super salient point, one of which you'd had quite a few interesting conversations on ourselves. Let's unpack that a little bit then, maybe, mm. because I think this will be valuable for the listeners. Psychologically wise, or you know, from the mental standpoint, why is it that we want to look younger? Well, I guess the obvious conclusions would be, well, you know, we want to create or we want to stay in the youthful, the best state that we perceive to be, mm. right? We want to be in that state. It could be a fear of missing out as we get older. Oh, I wish I could look or like- being unrelevant Correct. as well. Correct, well, what do you think? I mean, they're, they're just a couple of straws I'm pulling at, but you know, what is your opinion? with your experience on maybe why people want to check, like you said, because that was really good, like you said, chase that 5%, you're, you're right. And we, we, I think I told you, I'm pretty sure we've had this conversation where I said I seen a particular lady, I don't know who it is, by the way, it was a lady out and we were all out for dinner, but we were at Roosevelt Lounge. Yep. There was a person there and I said it was, yeah, you were there, you came in, I left, and they were there. And this particular person was so cartoon-like it was, and I've seen some pretty far-fetched stuff, but this was just a whole new level. And I asked you, and I said, why do you think that person's done that to that degree? And what do they see 
when they look at that. There can be a bit of body dysmorphia there too, mm. where they actually aren't looking at themselves. Mm. They see the imperfections, they see what they want to change. Mm. They don't actually see themselves as the real self. Mm. So that is a condition. Mm. That's scary. Yes, and it does happen in my, my profession as well. A lot yes. of people, you know, I'm too small, so you're massive. Yep. Or vice versa. So you've got to be careful of that too. But let's, let's pull it back a little bit and look at why we are afraid of aging mm. and investing in these so superficial um, aesthetics yes. as such, because some of it is, but it is if you're investing in to stop the aging process, yes. okay? But not if you're investing in it to innately make yourself feel good. Because mm. when you're making yourself feel good and it's for you, that's a different story. Mm. But if you're doing it for an outside reaction, that's where you can get into trouble. Mm. So you can go that too too far into that and chase that 5% where then you just don't look like yourself yeah. and be too invested in getting the outside energy back, mm. the outside approval, let's say. Mm. This is true, yeah. And it's, you're right, a lot of people seek that validation. It's like anything in life, you should do it for yourself if it's a, a critical endeavor different obviously if you're doing something for your family and kids and things like that you know but when we're looking at things that are uh, critical to our health or our outcome or our lifestyles it should align with our ethics and values where perhaps sometimes 100%. it's the whole philosophy of well keeping up with the joneses or oh, i need to kind of look like that girl or i need to do what that guy or has that guy so, well, and I, if no, you're chasing doesn't. that you're never satisfied because there's always someone going to be bigger more beautiful yeah. richer whatever it is exactly um, on that scale yeah mm, it's interesting so when clients say to me oh i feel so vain doing this to my lips, you know, putting colour back in it. But it's mm. not about vanity. No. Vanity is seeking outside of yourself. Yes. Feeling good about what you're doing to feel good for you mm. when you wake up in the morning and you don't have to see with your glasses on to do your lips or, you know, your smile is more enhanced mm. from your lip tattoo or you've had a tattoo corrective surgery, so you've had a skin cancer removed mm. on your lip. But we're going into the paramedical now. Um, so you've got corrective lip tattooing as well. But even if it's not, sometimes we just have uneven lips, we lose that lip line and it creates that beautiful smile. Because when you look at someone, mm. you look at their eyes and their lips mm -hmm. when you're talking to them. They're mm -hmm. the two focal points. So they're what's, that's what I mean by the anchor points. The brows are anchoring mm. the eyes and the eyeliner is defining the eyes. That makes sense. Yeah, and that, again, that's a physiological thing, isn't it? It's um, not physiological, primal, maybe, would be the better word. Of, yep. of that. Well, that's how we should connect. I always think about it as complementing one's features rather than enhancing them to the point where you've taken away. It's like anything, If you, the danger's in the dose, right? Yes. If we just work out for 24 hours a day, it's probably not gonna have a benefit. It might have a detriment, and then vice versa if we only do one minute. So again, it's like, okay, depending on what we're trying to do, maybe it's a little bit here mm. and a little bit there. But it could also be, I'm gonna shoot another sort of perspective here of 
for me, convenience because I get laser hair removal around my beard and mm. it's convenient because I don't have to shave as much. Yeah. It allows me to maintain the shape. Perfect. That works without any Exactly, yeah. without any detriment. And obviously you can take that to different levels, but mm. I imagine for females and a lot of my friends who have the lip tattering the eyebrows, it can be a case of, oh, I don't have to do my lipstick every day or not that they wear it excessively or I don't have to do those little things like you said and mm. you made a good point there about vision I didn't think about that yeah. you know when you're aging it's like, oh I can't see anymore properly or that's just one less thing that's going to challenge my day and you can just get into it and then when you do I guess want to enhance it more or change the color I don't know but you might do even more I guess and put a bit more makeup on if you're going out but yeah, You've I think got that, that option. Your tattooing isn't going to yeah. change that effect. It's just going to enhance it. Mm. But I like to focus on enhancing someone's natural features. Mm. And I like my tattooing to be really natural, mm. not your eyebrows are walking out in front of you and that's every, all everyone can see before they see your face. Mm. Which, which <laughs> often happens. Which kind of brings me to the next question I've got for you or the next point, which is I find, and this is my subjective opinion, um, that a lot of women look now very similar because the treatment seems to be very similar or very, um, and I don't know how bespoke you can make it, but you talked about you specialize in complementing and make it natural. Like you wanna try and complement their individual features. And yes, we all have eyes and nose and lips and you know how individual can you get, but we'll look at all humans. We're all the same, but we're all different. What age group are you talking about? Well, the thing is, it, it, I think it transpires over different age groups, but the outcome, for example, I remember when I was uh, living in New Zealand in my younger days, and I remember there was a few girls that had cosmetic surgery done, and I was new to this, I was learning, and someone said, oh, they've, you know, and I was like, oh, like, how do you know? And they're like, well, <laughs> you know, green me, like this, this, and this, and I was like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, because they look like that person, and like, yeah, they've had the same surgery and I was like oh right and it's not always the same but I find a lot of women and probably more if I had to give you an answer to that it would be the younger generation mm. of girls they seem to look very there's like, a bit of a trend like there's always a fashion yeah. trend with what's in as far as lips and cheeks and brows and Correct. bums and boobs and, and then, well this is probably my lack of knowledge on the whole like I imagine there's different shapes of eyebrows and yeah. I, I don't know but, but there's different like anatomy shapes to everyone's face well this is it and this is why I struggle to see why they all kind of want to go for the same look and I, I, I don't know whether it's a particular person like yeah, I remember when Kim Kardashian was in and all yeah. that but I may be out of the loop but they just seem to have the same kind of I'm like, oh, don't you girls realise you kind of all look mm. and act and do, like, you're very sim similar? Yes. Uh, it seems like they've, they've lost the ability to kind of go Have in their, their own, own direction. Well, it's like, yeah, it's almost yeah. like, hey, yeah, be into this, but you don't have to align with, like, maybe you're actually into that, but you're pretending not to be because it doesn't fit that persona or that identity. Yeah. I don't know if you've found that. Yeah, I've noticed that. But I, my value system for what I do, mm. I like to create that natural base. If you mm. want to have a certain look, use makeup. Yeah. Because looks change. Yeah. And they evolve and, and change. Whereas tattooing, it's in your face, mm. it's in your skin. And even though it does wear over time and fade, you will always have an element of that tattoo there that needs mm -hmm. to be refreshed because colour changes in the skin regardless. So yeah, that's, that's my philosophy in, in my mm. profession that mm. I like to work with, keeping it really soft, natural, enhancing mm. their natural features, bringing out the best in their faces. Mm. 
um, because in a few years' time, who's to say they don't want that look that's mm. different to this look? Mm. And you're stuck with that in a tattoo. That's not fun. Mm. Well, let's break that that's, down. That's laser surgery. <laughs> well, yeah, and I've had it on my head. It's painful. <laughs> <laughs> I had a head tattoo removed. But anyway, people will know about Did that. Did you? Yeah. How painful out of 10? Eight. Wisdom teeth still take the cake. Mm. But that's because they were infected. So anyone getting their wisdom teeth out, do not worry. You're in great hands as long as you go to see a good practitioner, but it was they, they got infected. Ouch. And then he couldn't operate till he took the infection and that was, I wouldn't wish that pain on my worst enemy. But that is probably nothing compared to childbirth. So <laughs> my, my eight's probably like your three. Uh, but yeah, it was very painful. But uh, hence the, why the, the people they who don't do have babies <laughs> were not cut out for it, guys. We can't even get over the man flu. Never mind uh, <laughs> babies. But it's true. Um, I, the, the people I went to, they were very good, uh, and it's the best laser technology in the world. And it was quick. Yeah, that was the good thing. How so many sessions? Like one. I could do another one because there's still a bit there, but it leaves a bit of a hairline, which actually I don't mind. And um, yeah, and it, it was good, but it was just the last bit went too deep. So therefore the color, again, like you were saying, with keeping it light, keeping it natural, yes. didn't quite end up that way. So, and okay. there's no hard feelings with the person who did it. We're all in good terms, but um, it was a great experience. What I wanted to unpack now is the actual tattoo of, when people think of a tattoo, and I know there's a lot more people who are well-versed in this now, you know, there's a lot of females who get it done, a lot of guys are aware of it, whether it's ha getting hair tattoos themselves or, or their partners are getting it. Mm. How does the tattoo work in relation to what we perceive a traditional tattoo to be in terms of, you know, what layers of the skin are we going into? What ink are we using? Um, how do we make the color um, change? Is it the same sort of process? And then also how long are they generally lasting? Um, and you've already okay. answered one question, how you remove them. So, man, that'd be fun on the lips. I can only we, imagine that there. Is there. a different form of removal. I'll just speak about this while we're on the oh, subject of yeah, removal. Yeah. Let's do that. And yeah. I like to send a lot of microbladed brows to the laser removal. What's a microblade? So microblading is a brow tattoo using the feather strokes, so a feather brow or microblade. Ah, it's different so it looks to, like a... Yes. Yeah, I've seen it's that. It's different nice to part. the tattooed um, with the needles and the, the machine. Oh, right. where you're creating a shadow, like a lot of pixelated dots in the skin that looks really soft and natural, wears really evenly. Microblading's only been in for a shorter period of time. Oh, so more um, like line work. Yeah, Is it's like right? a hair stroke in the skin. Yeah. But essentially it's cutting into the skin and it's creating scar tissue with pigment. So my view on this, and there's some great artists out there that do microblading, but I'm personally not a fan of it because being a dermal therapist, I don't like the way it scars the skin over mm. time. And then you keep having to redo it because it doesn't last as long as a normal powder brow or mm. ombre brow with the machine. You then have to have it retouched all the time and then you just get this mess of pigment and scar tissue on top of each other. Would that cause a build-up? Yes. As well? Yes. Because scar tissue usually skins just aren't great for that procedure as well. Mm. Different skin types. This is interesting. So I send a lot of microblade brows, just go and get them laser removed, let's start fresh. Because you get to a point you actually can't tattoo over the top because it's such a build up of scar tissue. Mm. I can't get any ink in there, even mm. with the machine. I imagine being a dermal therapist, that would be a huge advantage 
being what you do. Absolutely. I almost feel that should be a prerequisite, and I'm sure there is elements of this in, in tattooing, brow tattooing, but perhaps that, that would be efficacious. There had to, to be. I did my government accredited training when microblading was in that as well, mm. and that's actually not something that's government accredited anymore, so yeah. you can just do a, a course on doing that procedure and have no skin background. But I had to have a background in skin to do my government accredited training. Because yeah. that doesn't seem, just getting a drink, that doesn't seem like, um, I mean, it's, it's very much, again, like our industry where you can get a very low barrier to entry and people go, well, I'll just keep that. And they don't continue to upskill. And if they're perhaps not someone who's interested in self-education, they don't have the knowledge that gets them to be yeah. competent. It's all going to make you a better artist. What you're bringing to mm. that point with your tattooing skills behind you is yeah. going to make you a much better artist. Well, I can imagine because you understand it's almost like saying if you're a builder, you understand more the elements of the infrastructure of the building. Mm. Therefore, you can advise, uh, plan and execute with more precision. Yes. Um, I mean, and ultimately you would think that you would have to know about the skin to be tattooing it rather than just the protocol 100%. itself. That's like yeah. saying, well, I'll put the icing on the cake, but I don't need to know how to make the cake. It's like, well, hang on, you kind of do. And because... assessing the skin condition that you're working with too. Yeah. Like in Queensland here, we have a lot of sun damaged Ooh, skin. Oh yeah, it's not good. And mature sun damaged skin. So you've really got to understand that skin before you start sticking pigment and needles in there. Yeah because you want to know exactly how it's going to come out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's And what's best for your client too. Well, let, let's address that in terms of, and I know there's many, many answers to this, so I don't expect a clear cut like, this is what people need to do. But as recommendations and considerations from your dermal background, especially here in Australia, and even in general, what are the things, um, and it might be one of five or three or whatever it is that people can do to improve their skin health on a daily basis that most people aren't doing that they could implement today. Okay, I'm gonna say one, the number one, and I think a lot of people are good at this, but I need to say it anyway, is sunscreen. That is your best anti-aging product compared to everything, compared to a $600 cream. It is your number one best anti-aging product because the sun is your biggest age factor. Mm, that's interesting. So it reduces your collagen and elastin, breaks it down, which is something we stop making from the age of 25. Mm. So the sun depletes what you have. So by the time you're 50, you've got 50% of your collagen left. That's all. Wow. So if you're a smoker, heavy drinker, it's lifestyle things mm, as well. Things that depreciate Particularly it. the mm. sun. My number two would be vitamin A. Ret retro Retinol. Oh man, that Retinoids. stuff's gold. Yeah. Everybody should be using vitamin A under the care and proviso of a professional skin mm. person mm. though. Because you can go, can damage the skin, can't it? Yes. And there's different types of vitamin A. You need to know how to use it and you also need to be very careful of the sun and wear sunscreen. I won't put anyone on vitamin A unless they have sunscreen and I know they're using it every day. Because mm. vitamin A makes you more photosensitive too, so you, you've got to be careful of that and that can create more mm. pigmentation. Mm. So sunscreen, vitamin A. Vitamin A also reduces your skin cancer development, not melanomas, reduces it by 90%. That's massive. You wear sunscreen every day, it reduces it by 34%. Mm. You take vitamin B, it reduces it by 10%. 
So that's already halving your percentage. I think it's 15% with vitamin B. You're already halving your risk of skin cancers just by taking vitamin B3 and wearing sunscreen, and then you add vitamin A on top. There you go. Love it. So, guys, there it is. There you, it is. You've heard it. And I often got that advice, and I never got the sunscreen one, and I want to probe a little bit. I don't know. Uh, Aaron, who you met on the way in, his wife, Shelly, is a beautician. Yes. Met Shelly. Met Shelly, right. Yeah. And she has helped me so much with my skin over the past couple of months. It was never bad, bad, but it was never brilliant. And I'm always looking as someone who's into self-improvement to go, well, what could I be, you know, fairly and remove the ego what could i be doing better mm. and skin health is definitely one and obviously here in australia the sun is very prominent a lot of people you know they're getting melanomas or they're looking very older uh, sorry a lot older when they Even don't have to pigmentation be pigmentation can yes. make people look older than more older than like wrinkles well it's it sort of um you see a lot of people that like, say in their 50s or, or 40s and they look like they're in their 60s or 70s yeah. but it's like oh my god like you just damage your skin and you do 80 percent of your damage before you even turn 18. there you go see yeah i'm fortunate those first 10 years were maybe in england because <laughs> it's not super hot but then i spent 10 years in new zealand uh, where the ozone's not great and i got yes. sunburned a few times unfortunately because i was out surfing and you don't know but now you have that education i think this is why it's great to do now you're right things like this because you know if people are willing to listen and learn and especially the younger generation coming through who want to you know look better and feel better yeah. it's like well here's some basics that it's not sexy it's not magic but it works it's prevention it is um and i didn't realize that and i have another friend who she's a magician with skin hair she's one of the best on the gold coast and she told me that you know, the reason why we put, because the skin is very different on the face. Mm. Um, and I didn't realize how different, because you think to a degree, skin is skin. You go, all right, my hands feel a bit different. My legs feel a bit different, you know, my head. But most people, I think females are more aware because they're into it, but most men, we're not, like we don't think it's different. It's like mm. the skin, right? And I never used to like sun, sun cream because I found it, it almost burnt me more, or I didn't like, depending on the brand, it made my, my skin's very sensitive, oily yep. and gluggy. So I, I, I would just rather go, well, I don't wanna sit in the sun for as long, which I think is better. I'd rather reduce my sun, sun exposure time and then sit in the shade. But now I don't even tan my face. Mm. It's not even worth it, but I use sun cream every day and it's got a natural tint in it. Yep. And again, mm -hmm. hydrating and all of these things. I wanted to ask you, it, do you recommend a certain type? Because it, in my belief, I don't think they're all created equal. And I do believe Sunscreens. that. Correct. Yep. And I would go as far as to say that some would actually not harm, but not do your skin any good, depending on your type of skin. Because if you have more oily or dry skin, then surely you want to get something which is a little bit more bespoke to that or a higher quality. But yep. I use Skin O2. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but that I find helps and I don't get acne and mm. it's good. And again, Michelle's like, you put it on because I use the retrovol or vitamin A or whatever it is. <laughs> Retinol, yeah. Retinol, that's <laughs> it. But um, it's, it's phenomenal, it's worked. Mm. But the sun cream, I've always been like, hmm, I think you need it. I'm, but I've got a good one. I don't I'm know. a big fan of using a separate sunscreen for your face. Yes, yes. And that being part of your skincare because mm. you can get sunscreens in some cosmeceutical cosmetical range, mm. ranges of skincare that are for the benefit and health and improvement of your skin. 
And my other motto is always choose a sunscreen that you like the feel of on your skin. Because mm. if you don't, you're not going to fucking use it. Can mm. I swear? Yeah, say anything. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> you're not going to use you. it. <laughs> yeah. You're going to buy it and you're going to th- I should use that, but it feels like shit. I'm not going to use it. Mm. So if you love the feel of it, and if you have an oilier skin, go on oil free. Mm. Um, the sprays aren't that great. I don't find they have as much protection. Mm, they seem but, a bit light. Yeah, they can work just daily, but if you're out in the sun a lot, it's not not enough. Yeah. Um, but for swimming, surfing, you've got to use a zinc. You've got to I was use ju- a good bronze zinc. I was going to say. It doesn't come off. That, cause <laughs> it sounds terrible because I used to be into a bit of surfing. I want to go every now and again casually, but a lot of the time I don't because in the morning my eyes just get nailed. They're blue, mm. they're light, but whether that has something to do with it, but I just find it blinds me mm. and my skin is red raw afterwards. Even if I put sun cream on and it like deters me from going surfing, which sounds like a little bit bad. It's like you should go out and surf, but same time I'm like, oh my skin. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, oh, maybe soft. So I guess zinc would be the answer to that. Yes, and, just and like nothing lower than an SPF of 20. Mm. Um, I think it's pointless for Queensland climate. Mm. Like the UK, you probably get away with something 15 plus, but not here. Do 30 and over. I was going to say, because the sun is aggressive and the ozone is broken. Yep. Would you, or would you be comfortable recommending any particular brands that you believe would be uh, more advantageous for people to look up when they're looking for sunscreen? I'm a huge fan of the Mineral Pro O Cosmetics. Mm-hmm. It's there's a tinted and a non-tinted, and the tinted is just like sun-kissed. You know, it's just a nice little tint. Mm. It's oil-free, so it's great for oily skins, great for acne skins, because acne skins, problem skins, you don't want to chuck on a heavy oil-based sunscreen that skin is not going to be happy. No, because you're sort of suppressing it, aren't you? Can't breathe, Yeah, I, I imagine. 100%. And it's going to clog the pores even more. So the Mineral Pro is 30 plus and it has zinc oxide in it. And the zinc oxide acts as an anti-inflammatory in the skin as well. Right. So you've got that extra element and it's hydrated hydration as well. Mm. So that would be my there's a few others, but that's mm. that's no, mine. no. I appreciate it. Like you said, it's good. I, I always ask because it points people in somewhat the right or a direction. Yeah. Because there is so much out there these days as well. And it can get overwhelming. Key point, like you said. Yes. One that you're comfortable with, but sometimes you don't know any better. People are looking at maybe um, supermarket brands, whether they're bad or not. I've heard they're not the best, especially when it comes to you know facial hair, yeah. uh, facial um, health. Hence, I think, you know, it's good to get a recommendation um, to get people in the ballpark, because again, it is very different. I've been told, do not nude Nivea on your face. (laughs) Apparently it's not that good. Do you have any recommendations for cream for uh, like everyday hydration that you would uh, find more preferable? Or do you think there's nothing wrong with things? Yeah. Do you think, or do you think there's nothing wrong with the major brands like Nivea, Vaseline, etc.? It really depends what your ethos is. Mm. Like, if you don't want to put like those harsh chemicals into your body on your, because your skin's your largest organ. Well, this is the thing, and when you really break it down and think about it, it makes tremendous sense. Mm. How much stuff you put on it, you think, well, what should I be putting on it? And how do you really know what's in something? Yeah, that's it. It it depends on your personal ethos. Mm. Um, but using something with less like fragrances that can be an allergen to a lot of people, Mm. synthetic fragrances. And there's a few toxic chemicals that I align myself with some, a couple of product ranges that don't have those toxic chemicals. 
and using a cosmeceutical range, a cosmetical grade range will give you results, mm. will change the health and transformation of your skin cells rather than just sit on there and not do much. Mm. That's mm. a basic supermarket kind of range of skin products. So we want something that's actually going to work Mm. and transition the cellular turnover and the quality of your cells Makes as well, sense. which is ultimately skin health. And exfoliation as we get older is another important key because as we get older, our skin cells slow down. So when we're younger, they're, they're proliferating at a rapid rate. And as we get older, they slow down. So they build up over time. We get this build up of dead and damaged skin cells that can then turn into abnormal cells if you leave that. So a good exfoliation is really good, but not with soap. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I got told Don't that Don't use soap lately. anywhere. Just get rid of your soap. It just dries the skin out. <laughs> it's it? too alkaline, so it strips the fuck out of everything. Mm. You've got no acid mantle base at all, mm. and it leaves your skin compromised because you've stripped it back so bare that the nerve endings start to sort of come exposed to the top of the skin. Mm. So pH between five and six is your best cleanser for your body, your skin, face. You mentioned uh, getting something uh, cosmeceutical grade. Yes. Where do you go to shop for this? Is it someone like yourself? Does it have to be online? Is it at a chemist? Where, where can people find these products? Obviously not in the supermarket, I imagine. No, usually through a dermal therapist, esthetician, beauty therapist who specializes in skin. They're usually your avenues, dermatologist, but that's if you've got severe conditions that mm. you've been referred on to for that, that nothing else has sort of helped. Mm. But yeah, that's, that's the avenues because they're the ones that are professional in skin health. Mm. Um, and they're there to look at your personal skin and what you want to change with your skin, what, what you want to invest in. Mm. That's my value system with my clients, I want to know what they want to invest in. I can mm. look at their skin and say, you need this, this and this, but what is it you want to change? Mm. What is it you want to transform or just, oh, some people just want to know the basics, but they're so lost in all the mix of marketing and, and what's on the shelves everywhere that they have no idea. Mm. Uh, that is probably where most people sit, I'd say. I know it is for me, hence why I ask a lot of these questions and I've sought out the help of professionals because it mm. just seems all a bit, con and again, it's like someone coming to you in that realm or someone coming to me in this realm or someone going to a chef. It's like you go to that particular person who's competent yep. and credible and you ask them those questions so they can streamline it so you can avoid making the mistakes or you know doing something wrong. But it started with your curiosity and your value of, mm. I want to change my skin, I want to mm. improve my skin. So you went to the right person who has the professional background and mm. knowledge to help you and have you seen a difference since? Oh, massively, massive difference. What, have you, what are the differences that you've seen? Well, consistency, I think, with my skin. Um, it used to range, it would have sort of ebbs and flows where it would go through periods of, you know, being very greasy or very oily or very dry, depending on the, you know, the time of year as well. And it was always yeah. sort of like a bit of hit and miss in terms of, oh, yeah, and you often still do, you know, you get the odd spot, but sort of up and down. It'd be really greasy here, there, that, and the other, and it wasn't predictable. Where mm. now, with the right skincare routine, understanding how to clean, you know, hydrate the skin and protect it, if I could summarize it in yes. those three things. Yes, that, that's the, 
the keys. That's the keys. Yep. Um, I now find that my skin looks and feels good pretty much 99% of the time. And if mm. it's not because I haven't done one of those things or I've neglected it, um, or it might be, I find I react, but nutrition is a big avenue for me, so I can help people in that realm with their skin, yep. but that goes so far. Um, and it does it does make a difference, especially mm. you know for the younger folk who are going through puberty and whatnot, the hormones all over the place. But yeah, it's been phenomenal, which is great for me because you can sort of get up and go, oh, you know, it feels good and I know I just have and to you, do these basics. And you're investing in your skin. Yes, You're exactly. investing and you're getting a return. Yeah. And you're investing in your skin long term yeah. as well. Well, I think that's the big thing because you think, oh, it's not now, it's later on. Yep. But for me, it's having the peace of mind too, because I always get confused and I like to keep things simple. So I always want to know, okay, what's like the, not the magic pill, because that's the problem with society, looking for the, <laughs> the, the silver bullet, but it's like, okay, what are the things that are going to be the most conducive to my skin health, my skincare, based on my skin? You know, and then it might be specific to this is what I want to achieve. But it's also good to get the recommendation of a professional because sometimes it's not what you want, it's what you need. Yes. Uh, and that might actually get you to what you want in terms of you want the end result, but you have to do these things to get that. You know, people just yep. want to say they want something and it's like, oh, I want it to do this. It's like, yeah, but you have to do this, this and this to get it to do that yep. because you've you neglected it. You need some corrective it. work first. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. No, you don't have to be a skincare junkie to change your skin either. No, no. You, you know, if you're not into products, like I've got so many products, but I love mm. them. I mm. love what they do for my skin. Yeah. But not everyone has to do that and they might find that scary and that's why they don't want to go and see a professional yeah. skin therapist because they feel that that they're going to be sold so many products that are going to sit in their cupboard yeah. and they're going to get overwhelmed and it's just a waste of money a waste of time mm. it doesn't have to be like that no i think that's a big big thing where a lot of people do feel that way or they get overwhelmed because they don't know how to perhaps separate the fact from fiction, they feel that maybe, oh, I'm just taking this person's word for it. So if that trust is yep. not built, that report, and I go, yeah. oh, you know, do I really need 10 products? They well, need to well, be treated not. on an individual basis. What are your concerns? What do you want to change? Yes. All of those things. And that's the key for me. Mm. I think explaining it as well, educationally, because if you yep. can, un you know, explain it to someone in a way that's factual and practical, then you can say, look, the reason why I'm recommending X, Y, and Z is because your skin is doing X, Y, and Z, and this is what we know, and here's an example of why, right? Mm. And then here's your example, so if we do this, we get this. So it's like logistifying what you're doing, I find, helps people, because they can see, okay, it's not just take this cream because this is the end result, it's take this product, but here's why, and now I've given it purpose and value and meaning, and now I'm more likely to invest because I can see how that is going to positively impact me rather yes. than just saying, here it is on the no, superficial. The two top selling items in the UK last year. What, in cosmology? No, or just, just overall. Go on. Just a quick one, guys, before we carry on with the podcast. For any of you who are interested in taking your health and physique to the next level and you want to remove the guesswork, you're not quite getting the progress that you want, you're not seeing what you want to see in the mirror, and you're not feeling like you're really moving in the right direction, then click the link in the bio below, the apply button, where you can contact me. We can organize a free consultation no obligation and discover whether it's a good fit as coach and client. All right, back to it. Number one, vibrators. 
can see that. And this came out of lockdown last year. <laughs> Bye, Bayes, for number one. <laughs> the Hitachi Magic Wand, I think. Our friend Dee will know about that. We're going to get her on here talking about the sex toys. And number two was skincare. There you go. Yeah, because what I think has happened last year is everyone went into lockdown and no makeup and makeup has always been this thing yeah and a huge huge following of makeup and but there's only so many red lipsticks you can own yeah there's only so many eyeshadows you can own so it's like okay we're ready for the next thing and people are looking at their skin at home going oh i don't like my skin underneath my makeup yeah. i want my skin to look good with no makeup yes. so it's peaked this real interest with people wanting to transform and invest in their skin. And that can come in the form of, depending on the individual and their skin at the time, really good serums, like your A, Bs and Cs, mm. and good cleanser, good moisturiser, sunscreen. You know, yeah. It's all individual based, mm. but mm. yeah, people have piqued an interest in their skin, which I go. love. Yeah. I love that. Well, it is, it's great. Like you said, a lot of people discovered things at home when they were like vibrators time yeah well i mean they wanted to look to look good and they wanted to get off while they were doing it right? they want to feel good too <laughs> what are you putting moisturizer on that vibrator for <laughs> i want to be youthful inside and out now <laughs> it's r18 podcast there we go well, i right. hope that moisturizer wasn't expensive <laughs> <laughs> no well if you're gonna put it inside um <laughs> for external use only god damn it uh, <laughs> yeah, but it, 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 it is interesting. Um, but a lot of people were under the microscope at home. So like you said, yes, there was a lot of mm. downtime. So people were probably assessing things yes. in a more granular fashion under a microscope, so to and speak. And makeup should only be used to enhance, not cover up. Well, this is the thing. I, I'll tell you this. I'll, I will go into a little story about makeup and my first experience with understanding why or how it was so powerful with women. People are like, oh you, oh, you put makeup on? No, not quite. It, although my friends did try to do that to me but one time. But that's okay if you do. Yeah. It's perfectly fine. Well, that's it, because whatever you want to do, and a lot of men do wear, yeah. wear makeup. Uh, and there's a time and a place, I guess, for everything. Uh, especially if you're into 80s rock star stuff, man. Yes. The man liner was... Adam and the Ants. Tell you. Adam and the Ants yeah. used to have that eyeliner. Massively popular. Massively popular, yeah. Mm. Um, I think it was, uh, it, was, it was a normal... Well, apparently tights were actually a male clothing item um, back in the medieval times. Yes. And then women started wearing them, so then men were like, well, we can't wear them anymore. But tights were actually for men, not women, initially. First of true story. Fun wow. fact, the more you know. Didn't know that. There you go. I thought that um, was just in all those Shakespearean movies. No, no, but that, well, that's why. But they, oh, it was a male attire item. And then one day women started wearing them, and the men went, well, we can't wear them anymore. So, and then we just sort of <laughs> give, we just sort of let them have it, you know? And that's how we lost half the wardrobe. No. <laughs> the rest is history. Uh, but uh, no, in all seriousness, I remember I was, it was my first job as a lifeguard. And we had this new lady come in. Um, her name was Christina, she was blonde, blue eyes. And my other friend, who was also called Christina, and she goes, oh, you like her, don't you? And I was like, well, yeah, she's pretty hot, you know, it's pretty nice. And uh, she goes, look, she wears so much makeup. And I was like, yeah, and? And she's like, well, there's nothing wrong with that, but like she really goes ham on it and she doesn't really look like that. I'm like, what do you mean she doesn't look like that? That's her. And she goes, well, she goes, you'd be surprised at what's underneath. She's like, not having a go, Alex, just letting you know. And I was very young at the time. I think we were about 16, 17. And she goes, just trust me. She goes, wait till you do lifeguard training. And when you do lifeguard training, obviously go in the water. And I'll never forget, <laughs> we were all in the pool and Christ Christina, my friend, and the other girl, Christina, she went, 
She went underwater. Did to she this have thing. makeup on? She had makeup okay. on. Okay. I did she, not realize yep. how much because I was young and naive, and I didn't. And not that it, I'm not bothered by it. Like it's whatever. But because I'm not having a go here. But <laughs> she came down. She she went down, came up in the pool, and it ran everywhere. And it looked like you know, because all the mascara ran as well, and it all came off. And I was just like. Ooh. And I was like, and Christina must have saw my face and she looked at me and she started laughing. She's like, oh my God. And I was like, I looked at her and I was like, you weren't wrong about the makeup. She's like, I told you. And, so you um, didn't have a poker face the in poor, that moment. The poor girl, yeah, no, I was just, I was just shocked. Like, there was loads of people there, so it wasn't like obvious, but Christina was looking at me for a reaction. And um, she sort of wiped the makeup off and she had, unfortunately, this girl really bad acne and not a good complexion, but she was young and that's fine. But obviously all the makeup probably didn't help that, but she really, really laid it on. And um, when it came off, I was like, holy shit. But it wasn't the fact that the way she, the way she actually looked, because I'm not like a judgmental person like that in that respect, I accept people for who they are. And I, I love when women don't wear makeup. I congratulate them because I'm like, you know what, good on you. Because a lot of women do not, in this day and age, have the confidence to walk around mm. with no makeup on. They so really don't. Many women. So I it really like to, me. where possible, reinforce that. Like, yeah. don't go out of my way and make them feel, you know, oh, you know, no, you know, I just, you know, if it, if it does come up, I say, hey, you know, like, I think that's great, you know, as a man, like, I respect that. And, and hopefully that can give them a bit of confidence to, oh, you yeah, know, I'll keep doing that, you know. And, and then yeah. when they do put it on, it's like, bang, wow. I'm, you know, it's like, you get what you want from it. It's like caffeine. I always say, don't abuse it. Like, wait till you really need it. And mm. then, you know, have your coffee a day, but don't abuse it. Because when you do need that energy, you can have that little bit more and you can get that you know, energy boost that you actually want. Enjoy it for what it is. Correct, but if you're always abusing it, novelty wears off, you have to keep taking more. Mm. So makeup, you have to keep putting more and more on. But I just couldn't believe how much makeup made a difference. You know, and there's other examples when you see people like, I think, um, or certain celebrities and with them, I'm like, wow, like this stuff's actually fucking amazing. Mm. Like, and I just couldn't believe how much you can change the face. And that was my fascination, because one of my first, and not many people know this, but the first role or job career I was going to pursue um, study-wise was going to, I was going to be a beautician, a male beautician, but I wanted to go into theatrical makeup for movies mm. because I was always, I've always been fascinated with how you can manipulate and change the body. This is why I do what I do because yeah. I do the same thing now, but with a different tool belt and skill set and hopefully causing more long-term, you know, internal and external change. Yep. And then because we can layer all that stuff on. But I wanted to go, it was Weta, it's called, which is in a school in New Zealand. It's one of the best schools you can go to when they specialize in all the movie stuff. But from there, you can do all the beautician because I think you need that as a basic and then you sort of layer on that, excuse the pun. And um, I thought, oh, you know what would be good to open a studio of all straight men. And again, I'm not having, there's nothing wrong with being gay here, but here's the reason why. Because most beautician um, studios would be either just all women or combination or mostly gay men you would not get a lot of straight men so i thought mm, imagine having a studio with all straight men who looked good right and again there's nothing wrong with if you don't but this is my angle who really knew skin and really knew makeup and really were phenomenal communicators because professionally women like a man's touch and vice versa right and even if it was men coming in we'd still serve them but the angle would be wow these guys are all sharp they're masculine, they look great, and oh my God, they they know about makeup and they know about skin and they know about health. And I just thought, what a cool little angle that would have been. Absolutely, and being in touch with your feminine there is exactly. powerful as well. Exactly, and not yeah. being afraid about it and having men who are like, 100%. hey, we're okay to, and we know about it, but, but like really specialists. And I just thought that would have been just an amazing little angle to cover mm. um, and how, 
um, novelty, maybe it would have been uh, for that. But anyway, I didn't go because mum and dad were like, that's way too expensive. So, you know, and then they were like, yeah. what do you really want to do a sports science? So I ended up doing that. But yeah, the, the power of makeup and even like what you're doing now will transition into... Well, the tattooing is also called permanent makeup. Well, t it is, isn't it? Yeah, so permanent makeup artist mm. is also a name for a cosmetic tattooist. So you wake up with makeup, yeah. basically. It's not foundation makeup, but that's where skincare, skin health comes into it. But um, you can wake up with your brows, you can wake up with eyeliner, different types of eyeliner, depending on the look you mm. want and what suits your eyes. When, when did it actually come of fruition? Like when was the first, like what was the year? Because I remember my friend first got it done and I was like, what? And then she showed me, I was like, wow, it's that's amazing. I wouldn't years, have even... I think it was brought into Australia. Jesus. Because I was time. at a conference two years ago and Val Glover Hoven was the lady that brought it into Australia and she's in her 80s now. She's wow. still rocking it. She's still doing tattooing. She's an incredible lady. Yeah. And I actually had such a beautiful moment listening to her. She showed us the tools that they used to use, which was these long bamboo sticks that they would sterilise in bleach, dip into the pigment and the pointillism, which is tiny little dots, is what how they created the tattoo. Wow. No anaesthetics. <laughs> I know, and we think we're hard, honestly. Yeah. Straight in the skin. But it's she like was also tattoo. a pioneer of that time too. She worked with the surgeons in Sydney. Mm. And I was sitting there listening to her thinking, oh my God, I want to do this kind of work. And she talked, it was such a beautiful, endearing story about working with a gentleman who'd had a penis skin graft. I'm not sure of the nature of the surgery, but that's all she said about that. And she Is it like he needed more skin put on it? It was a skin graft on the penis and that's all I knew. Oh, she okay, didn't elaborate enough. into right, I it. See, um, I don't know if sex change surgeries, gender revision was around then Then okay. in Australia. I'm, I'm not sure whether it's some, he'd had an accident. I don't know, but yes. it was a skin graft on his penis and she talked about using her areola pigments for the areola tattooing. Yeah, 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 which and is the nipples. Right? Yeah, the nip 3D nipple tattooing. And yeah, she was had him in several times because for scar camouflage, you need to layer it in layers of light pigment that's diluted mm, to mm. get that beautiful natural effect and you're allowed to heal and then you go back and do some more. And I was sitting there thinking, oh my God, I want to do this work. I mm. want to do this work she's talking about. Mm. And if you want to go into the medical tattooing mm. Mm. side of things now. We well, that's what, no, yeah. that's what I was going to do. I was going to transition in, but I was yeah. just <laughs> taking a sweet time with other <laughs> I know you're like, come on, Al, let's get so to the medical stuff. But let's do that. tattooing is Because this is what you're really passionate about, isn't it? It is. I'm passionate about everything that I do, mm. and I've streamlined what I do to focus on mm. skin, cosmetic tattooing, and medical, paramedical tattooing. Mm. So. But I've, there's just something in my heart about paramedical tattooing that it's, it's life-changing tattooing. And I just am really passionate about that. And I, I can't describe the feeling. I would do this work for free. Yeah. I would do all of it for free because I because love it. Because it. it's almost like it's not a first world problem. It's not like, oh, you know, you don't have to get your eyebrows, but I could do it. It's like, oh, no, you're actually missing a nipple. Yes. Let me yes. give it you back. And to a quite degree. often there's there's trauma related to emotional, psychological trauma related to scarring. Can imagine. Or the no nipples from 
it's breast an, cancer. It's an anchor point, isn't it? It's like it a, every time they see that, it reinvents that emotion. Yes. So it's to create a new chapter, That's if you it. will. It can be as simple as the blue mark from having cancer radiation on their chest. They always see that blue mark and it's just a reminder of that time period. I can change it into a freckle mm. with tattooing. It's something so simple, but it can transform that person on a daily basis. Mm, and that's, that's powerful that stuff. That is powerful. Um, like breast cancer patients, transgender patients, not patients, transgender people who have had the top surgery, um, breast cancer patients that have survived breast cancer and don't have had a reconstruction, don't have any nipples, or they haven't had the reconstruction and they don't have nipples. We can, t I can tattoo them. Mm. And it's a 3D tattoo. I remember when you told me about this and I was like, what? That's a thing? Yeah, and it looks- It blew my mind. Incredible. Mm. Um, I've recently had a trans male client who's had the double mastectomy and no nipple. He chose not to have the nipple construction in the surgery because he didn't like the look of it, mm. where the surgeon can create sort of a male nipple from his female nipple. Ah, yes, okay, yeah. But it's, it sometimes can get a, a secondary infection and he chose not to have that side of things done and chose to have the tattooing. It looks amazing. So let's break down how you actually do that. Because like myself, a lot of people will be wondering, well, how do you approach something like that? How do you build that? Because you said it's a 3D. Yes. So can you... Spot and shade. Yeah, can you, can you break down how you go about constructing someone that on, on somebody like how does it from start to finish you know someone walks in you do the consultation like gives I a ask bit of them a what color they'd like and if they've got a, a photo of their their previous nipples but if you look inside their lip ah you can see the color there oh, is that what meant to be like areola very similar oh, yeah interesting so it's this lip and those lips ah, i see <laughs> you can see the color inside and that's related to your natural areola colour. There you go. Interesting. But is that the same for men? Yeah, I'd say it would be. <laughs> Polite. <laughs> Open your mouth up. <laughs> say the colour of your bell end. All right, cool. So <laughs> I'm thinking of that. I'm th be the scrotum. I'm th be oh, the colour. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> it's so hard to <laughs> uh, maybe that's your tongue, I don't know. But yeah, I was thinking of a little Britain thing then. But sorry, continue on. But that's interesting. Your mind though. went elsewhere. Well, yeah, I, don't know. I was trying to make a, compar a male equivalent comparison. But yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So well, it makes sense. It's basically light and shade. You're using pigment to create that light and shade hmm. in the nipple. And there's artistry involved in that. I'll as say well. there is. Because <laughs> yeah. you, you want to make it look realistic as possible, right? Definitely. Which is the goal. Definitely. And that's part of the fun. I get my pencils out, my, you know, pastel pencils, and I always draw nipples. Oh, so you sketch it first? I sketch it first. On paper? Yeah. And then do you, can you draw it on the client? Is that something? Well, I know what I'm doing in my mind with the light and shade, but I do put a template on the, the client first, and I get certain areas in, because obviously around the outside where the areola is, you want to create a really soft, blush yeah. in, of tattoo in the skin. Yes. Male nipples are a little bit different. They can be a little bit more definition because right. they're a different size, different shape, different placement, but they're- They are. Yeah. And they, there is a distinction. And then people have the individual types as well. You know, yes. different. And, and like you said, hey, 
guess one of the uh, advantages of this is you get to start again and you could have exactly what you want. Yep. That's it. If maybe you didn't before. That's it. You know, you're yeah. like, I want that style. Yeah. And a lot of women have said to me, oh, their nipples were really big before. Mm. They don't want them that big. Mm. So I've got a template that we use to decide. Do you have photos of like the drawings? No, I don't usually share I would just, them. Okay, no, that's fair enough. Yeah. You don't have to. I was just wondering like of your sketch. Yeah. I'd just be interested to see those. Oh, but if you don't want to share them, you know. I don't to. have them here. No, they're no, no, they're no, in no, an no. old fashioned like sketchbook. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> In a <laughs> pen locked. Not quite. Not no, quite. Okay, but fair enough. Not yeah, I like to sketch it first. That's the artist in me, and then you've mm. got it in your mind where the light and shade is, and you're playing around with it on paper, which mm. is a good preparation, I think. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So back to medical tattooing, um, there's other scars as well, like self harm scars. Yeah. Yeah. That are healed and can quite, go quite white. Yes. And noticeable. It's in the a skin. scar tissue, isn't it? Yeah. So they're looking at that scarring, and it's a reminder again of that trauma yeah. that they've healed from to a point. But it's a reminder. So I can do scar camouflage of those scarring as well. But what we also, what I also introduce is micro needling as well. Mm. So scar camouflage it can be a comp combination of um, micro needling and scar camouflage, which you're implanting the pigment into the skin right. to create that skin tone colour. So it's an even, even to the eye across that scarring. But if the scarring is puckered and raised and contracted and needs to be smoothed down a bit before the tattooing, I'll do microneedling first. Right, that, I was gonna ask that question, how do you, cause it would look a bit 3D, cause usually the scars are raised yes. with the scar tissue. And so not all scars can be treated that way. It depends on the scarring. Okay. If it's keloid, no, we can't. Yeah, I, was, well, I have a client who's got um, a keloid. Uh, yeah. Actually, I know a few people. Aaron has got it in his genetics as well. Which is a um, contraindication to tattooing because that can create more keloid. Yeah, correct. Because it's an overgrowth of tissue and needling, tattooing, using the needles creates a stimulation in the cells of yeah. creating more cells. It's interesting. Is there any remedies for that that you know of? Keloid your knowledge? Yeah. Oh, it's, that's a difficult one. Look, you can have it surgically removed, but you've also got the chance of it coming back yeah, again. Yeah, because that's the whole thing with the keloid, yep. right? It just yep. comes back, etc. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully when technology evolves, we can help people with that. Yes, absolutely. Hypertrophic, which is not keloid, but it can be growing bigger outside the skin, yeah. but it's not going around uh, the perimeters of the scarring, it's just in the scarring. So it's a hyper, hypertrophic scar. You can treat that type of scarring with microneedling. So you can um, inject a little bit of cortisone into it to flatten it out first mm -hmm. and then needle it. And then you can put a little bit of actual, this is from my training with Dr. Andrew Christie with the Dermapen. Yeah. And he recommended a little bit of Ephidex which is a skin cancer cream, like rice grain size. And this is not to be done at home, obviously. Yeah, yeah, this is done with, with a guys, yeah. practitioner um, who specialises in needling. And, You're right. um, <laughs> you know, the doctor would obviously, or the nurse, inject the cortisone, and the Ephidex just afterwards stops that growth of tissue. 
because we don't want to promote more growth. We yeah. want to flatten that scar tissue down. That's amazing. So you can get, I don't know, it's individual quite good results from a scar tissue by using microdermabrasion or microdermal Microneedling. Microneedling. Microneedling yep. micro is tiny little needles. Is that what, I think Shelley did that in my face. Is that a thing? Is that, yeah. is that the same sort of thing? Yes. And it like, first of all, it kind of damages it to a degree. Yes, but then it, it creates a micro wound, stimulates all your fibroblasts and all your growth factors. And they come to the area like any wound and rebuilds the cells. Yeah. So it's on a micro scale. So, you know, when you fall over and scab your knee yeah. and the scab forms and all the little healing factors are underneath. Yeah. Healing, it's like that on a micro scale. But what it's also doing is instigating that growth of collagen, mm. which is what we spoke about before. We stop making collagen from the age of 25. So micro needling will create that collagen induction in the cells. So there's, it creates the demand again. Yes, which so we it never stimulates lose. all the growth factors, and one of those growth factors is collagen. And if you imagine like a little tree plants the seed, your yep. first treatment, and that seed grows for the next six to 12 months. Right. Creating more collagen. Who so, doesn't want more collagen? I was just gonna say, so what, it lasts for that long period of time? Yeah, after really? your first micro-needling. Interesting. Yep. Does that diminish in time then? Done properly. Yeah, is the key word. Right, so that's the same with any scarring then, that's interesting. Yeah, because scarring is dead tissue, essentially. So when we're micro-needling that dead tissue, we're breaking it up mm. and bringing fresh growth factors to the area to rebuild. Can you get it to a point where it's almost like completely gone, scar tissue? Depends on the scarring, it depends. Mm. I know it must be individual, yeah, that you can't guarantee. It might still have no pigment in it, it might be still white, yeah. but it'll be flat and smooth. So that's where your scar camouflage comes in, where you can put pigment into that scar. Mm. And then essentially it looks like it's disappeared. How, how do you match that colour then with like, say someone's got that, let's use that example of maybe the forearm and you've now reduced that with the micro needling and you've got it smooth in a perfect world. How do you then match the original colour of the skin to make it almost invisible? Like, could you make it so like... It's done it in a process, like yeah. not in one treatment. Yeah. But I would want to treat skin that haven't been on a holiday and been in the sun. Yeah, you need so to know what it's natural colour yeah, like. Yeah, natural base colour. And I would do a, a um, colour match, maybe in a consultation first, depending on the area. If it's a large area, I want to do a test patch. But if it's not, it's just a small area, I'll consult make sure that we don't need to micro-needle first. And it's done in layers. So we do it really, really lightly, diluted pigment, so that it's fine layers of camouflage. So the next time they might come in and need another round, and if it's if they've healed a little bit warm or a little bit cool, I'll just tweak the pigment. Right, how do, you, just, how do you, um, what do you use for the color and how do you kind of get in the ballpark? I've got a range of colors. They're my areola colours, which is skin and dermal colours as well. Is it ink? Yes. Specifically? Yes. And then you have like a, is there a formula? I don't like. To I don't sort of go it, like yeah. your F14 sort I'll of skin, do you know what I mean? Like, put it up to the skin, the bottle, or I've got my swatches of all my pigments. I was going to say that's like a reference or something. Yeah. So I'll put them up to the skin and I'll you pick gotta have two an eye colours. for it, don't you? Yeah, you do. Because like you really gotta, like, it's very subjective. And you've gotta know how it heals in the skin as well. Yeah, because when you administer it, it might dry or heal different. Yes. Um, in that respect. Yeah, but you tweak it a little bit in the couple of, it could be two or three appointments. Mm. 
Yeah. So you're just tweaking it, seeing it healed. And I always work on the philosophy, even with my brows, lips, eyeliner, less is more. Yes. We can always add more, can't you? Exactly. It's easy to add more. And with all of my cosmetic tattooing, it's two appointment process, six weeks apart, scar camouflage, skin grafts. That's maybe three appointments. Yeah. Six weeks to eight weeks apart. Yeah, because there's a lot more that goes into that. You want to see it fully healed mm. before you are adding more pigment in. Yeah. And I imagine you can do stretch marks as well. Yeah, stretch marks. That's pretty much needling. Because I know a lot of females, you know, yep. after childbirth as well, they get quite self-conscious about that. Yeah. Which is understandable as well. And it's, 100%. you know, what a process to go through, which and would be amazing. And every woman is different with stretch marks. Some mm. people get them, some people don't. Some yeah. people get them everywhere yeah. or just a few. Yeah, and it's, it's just individual. where the layers of tissue underneath have separated. So the other forms of medical tattooing, we, we talked about self-harm scars and gender affirming. So there's the top surgery with the double mastectomy and I can treat the scarring where there's usually scarring across underneath the pecs. I can treat that scarring too, just letting it heal first, micro needle it, scar camouflage it if we need to. Um, but with the gender affirming, there's also if you're going trans male, there's the phalloplasty surgery, which is where they reconstruct a penis. Mm. So trans male is transitioning from female mm. to male. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they only want the top, top surgery, but there's also the bottom surgery available. Mm. And I've recently had a client who I feel so privileged and so honored to do this work for him and he's had the phalloplasty surgery, so his penis reconstruction is from a skin graft on his thigh. So the skin graft is his thigh colour, so the penis is really white, which penises aren't white. So no, he, they're like darker. Yeah. He um, approached me about having it tattooed. Yeah. So I'm so excited to do this work for him and create this very natural looking penis like it's an incredible surgery because you said it's that you you done the first round or the first go yes. at it Is yes that right? so it, there'll be three different um appointments for him so we had the first appointment and it was three hours is that just to get the base color on everything yes yeah right. and there's variables too with the first appointment i didn't know what his pain threshold would be like well i was just because there's a million questions going through my head like there is every single person listening or watching to this yeah. right now so i'm going to do my due diligence and ask whatever you feel comfortable and that we can share but first of all yes does that person have the same feeling in it because the pain was something i thought about before when you when before we turned the camera and you told me i thought well actually i wonder if like because man like getting laser down there like woof, that's gonna yes. hurt but man if you're getting a needle on it because you're not you're going over everything aren't you yes so not so much the scrotum area um, but I am around the attachment scarring and just into the scrotum area. Does he have all the parts? Like the balls? Yes, the so there's the full scrotum and the phalloplasty is the... I'm doing my hand actions yeah, now. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> I taught with my hands, I'm Italian. Yeah. Um, and the full phalloplasty, penis, everything. Does it work the same? But um, obviously you can't... Um, 
he can't impregnate his No, there's not that element. element. No. But it's functional. So he like, can go I to the toilet. I know this through my research because yeah. obviously having this type of client, I wanted to know as much as I need to know for yeah. the procedure I'm doing and and I'm really fascinated by this well, this is well, this is out. Gender it's, it's, a, it's a curious thing, and I think this is why you know myself and a lot of people have so many questions because, like, how far yeah. can they Look, go? Look, it's very personal um, for them. A lot of can like, imagine that's such a personal thing. But I'm curious because I'm working with this oh, of surgery, um, post surgery, and I I love working with this community, the transgender LG. TBQ community. I love working with them and giving them that safe space to come and have my services. Yeah. And as far as function, the surgeon is a urologist, so the urethra has been extended for the surgery. Yeah. And with the phalloplasty, you can have the pump inserted, which I think is the third surgery, and that makes it sexually functioning. Right, so erect. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I see. This um, urologist, you were telling me about him, is very sought after, etc. Yes, he's in Green Slopes in Brisbane and apparently got a massive waiting list. I can imagine. But something like that is incredible that they can even create that. And mm, like, I he's guess. He's the only one in Australia, apparently. As a female, as well, when you're working on this, would you say if you'd not known this person and had the surgery, would you think it was after you finished with it? Because I know you've got to put the colour on it. Does it look like a real one? Yes. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. Very impressive were you, surgery. I was going to say, were you even like, wow, taken aback by yeah, just I the um, rea uh, realism of it? Yep. Just going, shit, like that's man-made. Like that's, because that's mm. incredible. Yeah. I was, I think the first thing I said was, your surgeon is incredible. This is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's because I'm, I mean, I'm trying to imagine it. Like just what they can actually do. Yeah, it is amazing. Absolutely amazing. I've, everyone deserves the right to feel at home in their own bodies yeah. and be themselves. Yeah, if, and I've thought if that's what you want to do, right? That's... Absolutely. Doesn't everyone deserve that? Yeah, yeah. but not everyone, the, the, the catch there though, which we were talking about is the money, because I, mm. you know, I asked you, oh, you know, that surgery's not cheap, so I think that unfortunately would be... And there's no funding be... here well, for no. any of those surgeries, unfortunately. It's fully funded in, the, in America. There's a process to that though, isn't there? Because you've got to, you go in and say, this is what I want to do. You've got to live like that for, I think, a period of time, don't you? Like, there's, there's yeah, a pro. You can't just be like transitional stages yeah, that you, you do. You go it. through, and then you do the hormonal changes as well. It's it's definitely a process. Yeah, yeah. Amazing what we can do, eh? Yeah. Completely. Yeah. So, phalloplasty tattooing is now on my list of services. There you go. Very exciting stuff. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see um, the before and afters of this. I mean, if and when you can share that, because I would just be, um, not that I'm saying you have to, but I, I'm, I'd love at some point, I'm sure they'll be around even if it's not this individual. Yeah, um, that's up to the discretion of my client. Well, that's it. Um, I have, we have discussed permission as far as me sharing yeah. the information and photos with 
you know, other mm. transgender For sure. clients who are interested in well, this. Well, you'd, you'd want to, wouldn't you? Because yeah. you'd want to help other people in the same boat. Yeah, and 100%. if you're coming for a service, it's like me saying, hey, I want a tattoo in general. Can you show me other work you've done? Yeah. If you're coming in for that phalloplasty surgery, you'd want to go, what else have you done? If you can go, yes. this is what I've done. That person go, that's amazing. Yes, yeah, so yeah. let's go ahead. So. Yeah, that's it. That, that's cool. But I have great respect and I don't want to overstep with, oh, for sure. you know, this is such a personal area as well. Yeah, it is. And um, respect of my client is first and foremost. Mm, mm. Mm. I imagine you would be doing females as well. I'm just thinking surgery. Yes. Uh, for, for that, uh, I guess some females would have down there for whether it's a medical they reason. Need any? You mean for trans? Oh no, I wasn't or? thinking of that. But that's a good point. Um, I was like maybe would because maybe it wouldn't be the same colour if they've had it all messed with. Um, I don't know. But that's the thing. Yeah, I don't know. The answer don't, to that. No. We'll see what happens. But definitely, you know, cosmetic tattooing for them is a great, great part of their transition mm. to help with more femininity mm. um, and nipple tattooing and any scarring. Um, another. Scarring that I've come across is people that have had facelifts and they've got the scarring all around their ears and they don't want to wear their hair back or the wind blows and they're nervous about the wind taking the hair off their ears. So I can camouflage that scarring so that it just blends beautifully in with the skin. The facelift stuff is uh, amazing actually. Yeah. There's a, there's a, I can't remember the name of the surgeon but it was on a podcast I was listening to and uh, I think it was Tony Robbins came in to see the surgeon and the surgeon said, oh, I'm still in theater, come in. Like, and he got one of his people to like, you know, scrub him up and all that. And he came in and he couldn't, he saw this person's face literally back. Whoa. And he was like, I'm sorry, I gotta go. I can't deal with this, I'll wait for you outside. And the surgeon's like, oh, was that quite traumatic? And he's like, yeah, like you had this person's face off. Mm. And he's like, oh yeah, sorry, it's normal for me. But what the incredible thing is he said was there's something that they call, you probably know this, there's, there's a formula on the face. There's a certain, um, uh, it goes back to, I don't know what, uh, like Roman times. There's a the certain name, it's the golden zone. There's like, basically there's a certain measurement that between your nose and the neck, like your top lip and your eyes, there's, mm. when you hit a certain measurement, it hacks a physiological primal sense in us and that's what we depict as good looking as humans and it's not complete symmetry, but there's ratios. Mm. Anyway, he goes into this in his podcast and he goes, so this surgeon never makes more than, I think it's 10 mil of change in a face, but the person can be almost unrecognizable. Yeah. So he said for, yeah, and, and this person's like, his surgeries like same face same features but changing the measurements so by and then they're correct so he does wow. less than 10 mil he'll never do any more than 10 mil of change but by literally either changing this gap the eyes to the nose so he does mm. it by not actually necessarily restructuring but he does it by rearranging the measurements of where it sits and by doing that and he makes these small incisions that you never know the way he does yeah. it all that and he puts it all back like he wouldn't Phenomenal. So we said, and because the the, uh, the person hosting the podcast said, or something about, I don't know if Tony Robbins said, like obviously I can't disclose who's had it done. All celebrities are like, 
like they don't want to know obviously they don't want anyone to know but he said all all the surgeon said was if you just look at your favorite celebrity and if you've ever seen them bar the fact that they can change from paparazzi and there's a million photos you can make someone look good you can make someone look bad with photoshop or taking them in their most unfavorable you know light you know what the paparazzi like um because if you've ever seen someone just all of a sudden they just look different and you can't mm. put your finger on yes. it and there's just you know you've seen it amazing you're like oh she looks so different what is it, it must be that hair hair or and he goes it's probably because i've been up to something on their face mm. and he goes and it's that incredible and I just thought that was amazing because it was a really good illustration of how you can do a lot with a little if you understand the placement or the um the actual uh what's the word the potency of what you're doing uh, with with from a qualitative perspective and mm. it's like this you know you sort of like you want to be a technician with what you do you want to make sure that every stroke every needle every little bit of detail is like Yep. Not perfection, because again, that's elusive, but something where it's like it's very high quality yes. standard that you're working towards to, to magnify that effect in a natural way. So it's almost like, oh, wow, I can't tell that you've had something done, but you just mm. look different. You know, when you see someone and they've done something, well, it's like they've lost weight. People can't put the finger on it. It's like, oh, no, they just lost weight. But because they did it in such a way, it was, you know, it wasn't from here to here. It was yeah. gradual and smooth. So. And I love that effect where you, they look improved, but you can't quite figure out what it is. Yes, which is how it should be done. Yes. You know, you don't want to go lips. <laughs> you, know, you, you, know, you meet someone and you go, you've had your lips done. They go, shit. <laughs> yes, I have. You're going to be like, hmm, something looks a bit fuller. Or you look a bit, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, which I think I is, is amazing. I remember doing, when I learned how to do makeup, like to do professional makeup years ago, and I saw in this book, they'd put the left sides of the face together in one face. Oh, so left and left. It's amazing, isn't it? And then the right sides together. It was two different people. Uh, isn't it? Because we're not symmetrical. That's brilliant. I love that. At all. And it's, you can see when you start with my profession well, you look doing in the brows yeah. and lips, we're just not symmetrical. Because mm. that's the thing, isn't it? I think you look weird if you are. Like if There's a certain at, symmetry that the eye needs. Yeah, but too much and it's almost like you don't look real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like if you draw a cartoon or something, you're like, oh, it's too, there's something not quite. Or they look at like celebrities, the same thing, and they've gone, oh, you know, who do we feel like, let's just say Brad Pitt, Angelina, let's just throw those out there. Like, and this is subjective, right? Because it's based on people's opinions. And that when they measured these people's faces who were supposedly good looking, they like, they're not symmetrical at all. But the, it was the ratios or our perception of yes. population, which depicts now that as the standard. I always use an example of going, well, we're standard by the sky is blue and we're conditioned to know that from the moment we're born like the sky is blue it's always been blue and it would be weird if it was any other color so imagine if the sky was green all of a sudden tomorrow like full green like a beautiful green but green nonetheless it would be an absolute mindfuck because you're so used to it being blue or for example someone shaves off their head like their hair and you've always seen them with hair, or all of a sudden I grow my hair, and people have seen me bald, and my hair does grow, believe it or not. And all of a sudden you see me with like long hair, and you're like, who? Like, it's weird for you, because you're like, no, that's the identity I know Alex as. Like, that's part of your who you are. But I've changed it, and it's like, whoa, and people are like thrown. It's interesting. Because mm. it's like, no one's popular if we don't make them popular. Like, if no one believed in Brad Pitt tomorrow, and everyone stopped caring about him, or any actor, and all his work got abolished, he wouldn't be famous mm. because we create fame. 
It's very interesting, it's fascinating. But anyway, we're going in other avenues now. Off on tangents. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but tangents. is there anything else you wanted to talk about? With so back to scarring um, mummy makeovers. Mummy makeovers. So tummy tucks, oh, where they've right. had a reposition of the the um, belly button, yeah. and the scar goes from like hip to hip. Wow. Okay. So that area mm. is great for scar camouflage yeah. and repositioning the the belly button and going because there's scarring around the belly button as well. Is that from like a cesarean sort of thing, or um, just in general? No, that's from a tummy tuck. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. So they have to reposition the the belly button. I see. Yeah, so that's another beautiful area to scar camouflage and breast lift, which is the breasts are lifted and it's like a lollipop scar around the areola. Yes. And then down is a little stick and sometimes underneath the breast. That can go quite white, that scarring, so you can actually scar camouflage that and corrective areolas as well. Scar camouflage, bringing in colour to correct natural areolas that aren't one might be bigger than the other mm. or misshapen. There's there's a lot of work of that as well, but can't be posted on Instagram because it's real breasts. Ah, okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I have a surgeon, I know a surgeon, I have a surgeon. I know a surgeon, Dr. Lanza, who posts all that stuff. I think it's different for surgeons, and they sort of blur out areas. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, but some they don't. It just has like right. a um, they have a, um, a disclaimer on it, and they're like, before you view this, da, 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 yes. and it's like full, it's raw, man. Like, and then you scroll. He across. goes into surgery and shows live, like it's graphic as well. Wow. But he has all these. Yeah, he's one of the first people. Who did it. He's most popular in Australia. He's one of the best surgeons. I know a lot of people who have had surgery by him, and including myself, I had some cosmetic surgery done, which I did a. Um, a video about, uh, but it was one of his surgeons, and that's why I went to them. They're the, be the best of, in that world in Brisbane, and yeah, they sort of they're like they ask you, is it okay? And if you say no, they won't. But a lot of people yes. say yes, and it. But the, the cool thing about it is, it, you know, if you're getting that product, you know exactly how it works mm. a million times because they've got so many examples, and you just like flick through. Um, and I think he was one of the first people to do that because it was sort of like a bit of um, it was like taboo. You don't you don't video that, you don't film it, and he's like, why not? because mm. people want to know yep. and I'm going to show you how good I am because I'm going to do it live so you can see yes. like it's it's pretty incredible and you can when watch you're it in if there. you want to and not watch it if yeah, you want yeah yeah and it's pretty incredible when they do it um, because you're like oh shit this is so real but you think like it kind of gives you confidence because they're like happy they're competent you know they're confident you think fuck actually that like, that's actually really cool you know uh, maybe I don't want them to video mine or yep. whatever but it's like I'm pleased that I can at least like they must be good at what they do because they wouldn't advertise like that level of mm. proficiency if it wasn't. But yeah, I think like that's the world we live in now. People are becoming so like, oh, you want to see something? We can show you anything. Like back in the day in the personal training industry, you probably wouldn't have videoed your client necessarily. Where, excuse me, now I have lots of videos where I'm coaching clients in my videos. I'm in there, the client's in there, we're coaching, people can see what I'm doing. Yes. If you're a potential Do you think that's client. that's come from the reality TV I think so. era? That we're more, we're wanting to see more visually of what's going on? I think it's a natural evolution yeah. of human society. I don't where, think it's a bad thing. No, not at all. I think there's a time and a place, and I think it's down to the people in that setup, whatever that may be, or the parties that are involved. Yes. Um, I mean, look at OnlyFans. Well, now it's everyday people having sex on t camera, you know, and I know it's just been changed over. Really? Um, yeah, I've had one of that. the top earners, Rob Bampton, on here to talk about 
it specifically. It's one of the most downloaded podcasts because it's fascinating. And he talks. So this is like live porn. It is, yeah. It's porn, complete porn. Yeah, it's porn. But they've changed the platform because OnlyFans didn't want to do that. It was for something else. But besides the point, you could do anything on there. Um, you know, from so people would subscribe. So say you had an account and you would have an angle, um, and it might be anything from you just in laundry all the way to you having full-on sex or doing whatever. Uh, and that he's a videographer, he's passionate about uh, helping people establish better relationships, so he's actually like a sex mm. expert, and he did it on Pornhub, where it wasn't just him having sex with girls, it was him and his girlfriend who were like, hey, like this is what you can do in a relationship, here's how to pleasure a woman, here's how to pleasure a man. Mm. Like, so it was actually, good, like, he was Functional, passionate about yeah. it. Like, he's not just someone who's like, oh yeah, let's just, me getting off on the camera. Yeah. Um, although he does do other scenario-based things, but that's his passion, Pornhub. So he did it on, um, he had it on YouTube. Obviously, he couldn't get very far on YouTube. They closed him down. Did it on Pornhub. Pornhub shut them down for some reason, which is weird because it's Pornhub. And then he went to OnlyFans. Oh, um, and done it now. And then he's signed up a lot of the, the top owners. But anyway, to the point is, you know, that was an example. I think people now, humans, we have access to everything on our devices so it's now more a case of oh if i'm offering a service right um to a degree i can show you exactly what i do and i'm that skilled in my profession i can show you live or on video to not only give you an example of what i do and how it works if you're a potential client but also to display and showcase my work on a platform that is mm. like you said visual so i think it's that natural evolution of, of technology combined mm. with how can you have an edge on someone in your professionalism? Yeah, and it you know, gives it's like you, authenticity imagine, like, to what you're doing as well. Well, imagine you, you doing a time-lapse tattoo on yeah. someone who wanted it. Like, how cool would that be? Yeah, I've done like, that. Like, you all, like, from the sketch yeah. all the way to the... Like, it would actually be... That, that would be sick. Like, that would be really cool on your Instagram. And yeah. glad you've done it on people who, you know, are happy to do it. I just think... Because if you do something and go, oh, this is what I do, it's like, but I've never seen you do it. Yes. Like, on this day and age, like, mm, do you really yeah, do that? Like, like it all, gives you more authenticity yeah. to what you're doing. Like, you want to see my client testimonials and transformations mm. or evolutions, because otherwise, like, how do you know? But it's interesting to see how something evolves, uh, too, how, uh, it, how uh, it works absolutely. behind the scenes. Oh, it's fascinating. It's yeah. absolutely fascinating. Well, like you said, I think it gives confidence. It's almost mm. like a good surgeon will come in and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is how it's going to work. After this, you know, you're going to go into another room. There's going to be a lady called Jessie. Jessie's going to take your blood pressure. Like, that is the mark of a true professional they should lay out exactly what's going to happen before it happens so you don't have any fear exactly i mean it's fearful enough going through something like that you know you walk in a room there's 10 people stood there and you're going under the knife and you don't know what's happening like, that's the last thing you want you need to be walked through that process with care and understanding yeah 100 percent, absolutely and and it's so simple but how many professionals do it or you know yep. people who are not quite there yet uh, and that's how cool. i look after my clients through the processes by informing them about every step of the way mm. and then being there for the healing process too checking in seeing how everything's going making sure it's going to plan and just it's having that care isn't it yeah that having empathy. that authentic care that i do care on the other side how they're going making sure they're following the aftercare and mm. all of those things absolutely and they're showcasing your work as well which I think is part of that. It's like you want people to, you know, be a great. I want them to get the best results. So following the aftercare process yeah. needs to be fully explained and mm. understood to get the best results. Because mm. we both want the best results. Well, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is pretty cool. 
Any, before we get on to some rapid fire questions that I ask all my guests, yes. is there anything else that you wanted to cover off or anything? Just a couple else? other areas of scarring. Yeah. I think this is quite a common area, especially in Queensland, is biopsy scars from skin cancer biopsies. You can help me. <laughs> Have you got some? Yeah, I got oh, one. My back. Sign you up. Yeah. It's not ideal. It's not huge, but it's not brilliant because I'm a bit of a perfectionist. But yeah, because they're not yep. very good when they take those out. I no. feel like those people are not very good with a knife not and you can't well that's why i'm not like not all of them yeah not, not all always. yeah yeah exactly yeah. i shouldn't tie them all with so the same brush but i think oh hang on a minute you just they can go a little it. too deep yeah, and then it. it's past the melanin layer and you've got just a white area on the skin i have to show you aaron's as well you're a massive yeah. one and you're like how do you get rid of that yeah. yeah it's good to know so i've recently had a client who had two biopsies on each temple yeah. and one on the cheek and i've only done one session with him and he needs one more just to really perfect the skin color and that layer but you can't even really notice it now because it's gone from white to his natural skin color so mm. it doesn't stand out as much and I, that's on the face too so oh yeah i imagine a bit of a needling would, would yes, help as, I did with that because they're usually they're first. raised aren't they usually no, it was actually a crevice. Ah, They'd gone so the other deep. Way. Ah. Yeah, it was a crevice, but it was raised on the outsides. So it was like a crater. So I just softened it, softened it out, blended it out with some needling and some vitamin A. That's awesome. It's good yeah. to know that that yeah. can be helped, especially because, like you said, it's so prevalent. And you can yeah. get those little white spots too from laser hair removal. Yeah. Where they've gone too deep. So those areas can be camouflaged as well. There you go. Yeah. So this is like a, you're in such a niche, which is enmeshed in many other avenues yes. of this, you know, cosmetic or dermatological world, if you like, that it comes full circle. It's like a one part of it might be needed to correct it by another part because this is the byproduct of that. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, interesting. A lot of ingredients in the mix. Comes back to that individual person wanting to heal. They want to heal past their, their mm. trauma or their scar or don't want to be reminded of it or just want to feel better about it. Mm. Whatever it is going on for them, it can be improved. Yeah, which makes sense as well, especially on the face. Yeah. Well, anywhere on the body, with what bothers you. This is very true. This is very true. Especially when a lot of people are getting surgery these days as well. And it might not be... Um, cosmetic might be corrective, like you said, yes. so you were able to do that. Rapid fire question wise. Okay. Well, no, unless you've got anything else, please know if you no, want to continue so. on. Unless you had any other questions for me. No, 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 there we go. That's just a bit of low power mode, but we're all good. We're good, now we've got plenty of time. Can you imagine if you didn't press record? Well, I it wish. doesn't matter because these record everything oh, individually okay. because that right. has happened yes. before. I bet it has. Where Did the, you cry? Well, no, because I, I managed to, in the early days, I'd check it consistently. Um, hang on, sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. I'm joking. <laughs> I won't even say, I won't say it. No, bless you. Um, in the early days, yeah, you evolve everything without going on a tangent for the people listening, but these road mics have built-in memory and hard drives. So no matter what, they always record everything. So if, you, if, that, yeah. if that's recording through technically three devices, it's yours, which will record my sound as well, mine, which will record your sound, the camera, and then the individual's. Safety in numbers. Because you learn early on, you can never have enough backups. Mm. But anyway, 
a story for another time. Yeah, because sure once people that can conversation relate. flows, you, 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 you can't, you know, it's like, I mean, we can do it again and, and we'd get some great stuff and it'd be another great conversation, but it, it's different. Yes. You never get to the same. And that's why I think that's beautiful about having a more raw platform where it's like, hey, like, yes, we're going to talk about, you know, A, B or C or what you're passionate about. But ultimately, it's whatever flows based on how you're feeling, your emotions, what you do, who you are, your identity. It's mm. individual, which is what makes it uh, listenable for, for people. So the, the thought, the rapid fire questions are a little bit, some of them are a bit slapstick. Some of them are a bit thought provoking. The first one I'll go with is, because I think this is fitting, if you could wake up anywhere in the world tomorrow, where would it be and why, if it wasn't in Australia? Do I have to choose outside of Australia? No, it can be in Australia, but not generally your own where it is now. Oh, really? Because yeah. I love where I am. <laughs> that is great, and I love that. I've obviously chose the wrong rapid-fire question. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, but that's great. Uh, it, well, it can be that answer, but ultimately, I guess that means you're in a great place and you're okay, happy where I'm you want to be. I'm going to say a tropical island yeah. up on the Whitsundays yeah. in this beautiful weather mm. at a boat. No one else there. Maybe like one castaway. Yes. Yeah, a couple of coconuts. Yep, yeah. fire on the beach. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Second question is, if you could invite three people to dinner, dead or alive, who would they be and why? Ooh. And it's a big question and rapid fire is whatever comes to mind now because if you stew on this, and you probably will, there'll be more people that come to mind as you go. Because later on you'll go, oh, Michael Jackson. <laughs> Why didn't I invite that person or something else? So yeah. it's whatever it, like you can gather in your thoughts. I've had this conversation with various friends. Like, who would you have at your dinner table, dead it? or alive? And yeah. I've had a dead table and a live table. Oh, that's, that's a good one. See, that's <laughs> yeah. another way to set it yep. up. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, how many people? Three. Three. I cap it out three, so not okay. number. Okay. I want the Dalai Lama. Oh, okay. But I also want... Oh, I'm tossing around with a couple of comedians. Oh, yeah. Bit of humour in the mix. Yeah. And different realism. Okay. I need to make a decision. Maybe not Robin Williams, because as much as I love him, he can be centre stage mm. too much, mm. whereas I want this to blend. Okay, you want this to be more harmonious. Yeah. Mm. Um, oh, I've just gone blank on his <laughs> name. The Pommy guy. Uh, current or past? Current. Mm, Michael McIntyre. No. Not Lee Evans? No. Peter K. He was on The Office. Oh, Ricky Gervais. Yes, Ricky Gervais. Fantastic. I love choice. that he's unapologetically himself. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like what he's saying, don't listen. I love that mm. about him. That is great. I'm a big fan. And I'm going to be really random here, Elvis. Oh, no, he's a belter, that fella. That would be interesting. Mm. But there's so many, because I've asked this question obviously numerous times and I, I change them around, but. I think, oh, I wouldn't mind sitting at that dinner table. Yeah. Yes, which is always good. The last one is this one I'm going to throw a real... Th I'm going to give you this one because I feel like our conversation is predicated on some of this. And it's, a, it's probably one of the most thought-provoking questions you can ask, apart from what is the meaning of life, which is subjective. Um, which is, if you could choose to be immortal, would you? 
and I'm just going to leave it at that. No other this, that, that. It just that's it. We'll no. just make all assumptions. No. You would say no. Why? I think this is a really deep question. It is. Um, there's more to life and spirit and soul than what's on this planet. Mm. Mm. And I think I feel that we're here to learn certain things mm -hmm. in this body, in this vehicle, in this life. Mm. And then we essentially come back again if we need more to learn. But there is mm. so much more in the spirit world. Mm. I've heard that philosophy before. It's an interesting so to one. The thought of being stuck here. Mm. <laughs> no, thanks. Mm. Understandable. And my last question, which is my signature question I ask all my guests, a bit more serious in nature, which is, can you identify a fear in your life? Could be past, could be current, could be dealing with it right now. What it was or is, and what you've learned from overcoming it, or if you are still facing it, what have been the key learnings? Oh, wow, what a great question. I would have to say public speaking. So for me, 10 years ago, I could never have sat here and done this. Mm. So I've overcome that fear and embraced that part of myself because I feel like it's nice to share your stories. It's nice to share um, parts of you with other people and mm. connect with other people that way. And it could be something that you don't even think is going to connect with other people, but it's nice to, I suppose, be vulnerable. Mm. Mm. There's, there's braveness and strength in being vulnerable and connectivity. Absolutely. I think that's one of the key elements of attraction most males lack, is being vulnerable. People, not just Pe males. Well, this people. is true. I feel like females are a little better at it, though, I in think my opinion. Because we're more connected to our... But Correct. it's still hard for us to be vulnerable. It, it, it could be... You're right. It could be argued that it's harder because being maybe more... It's probably I guess, more foreign to you. Physiologically being more vulnerable, like yeah. being like, you know, the yeah, the men are more generally the stronger, the bravado, the protectors, right, generally. I'm not saying it has to be that way, but that's generally it. So women are more sort of, you know, if a woman walks home and around, you know, careful, you know, be vulnerable. So it's kind of in their nature to be a little bit more like softer and more feminine. Yeah. Um, and they'll be more emotional. They, you know, they, they, they will cry even if they might not want to, you know, they can show that where a man, it's like, that's not what you do. But mm. at the same time, the deep irony is to show vulnerability is the greatest way to connect with someone and show them that, you know, you're open. Yes. Because that's like your greatest, you know, gift, if you will, to share that 100%. intimacy with someone. So, yeah. Yeah. And you don't need to be perfect no, no. in anything. Imperfectly perfect. Mm, that's true, and that's the ideology a lot of people chase and never yeah. get to, right? I think that's a, a beautiful way to summarise yeah. what's been a really thought-provoking and intriguing podcast. Something a little left field, Fiona. So I thank you for so. joining me. Thank you me. for having me. It's been an honour to be here. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And for people who would like to find out more about you, or follow along, or even contact you for, for your services, yes. where are the best places to do that for people um, watching and listening? So probably through my website, yes. Boss Aesthetics, www.bossaesthetics.com.au, um, through Instagram or Facebook, I think Instagram, Boss Aesthetics, underscore Oz, and email, bossaesthetics3 at gmail.com. Perfect. I always say, I think it's like 
great name for a business as well, Boss Aesthetics. Thank it you. It is very boss indeed. My original name was Brow Boss by Fiona. Ah, yes. And I've morphed into so much more since it's then. Better to keep it. Yeah, yeah you so don't I want to want segment a, a yourself. Bigger too much. umbrella. Mm. But it's catchy. It's short. It's sharp. It works. Thank you. To the point. Appreciate that. You're very welcome. And as ever, I'll put those links. Uh, in the description that Fiona just mentioned. So for people listening or watching, you can go there and you know follow Fiona or reach out. And if you do have any questions as well, make sure you do email or pop them in the comments Love below. questions. Yes. Bring them on. Yeah. There you go. And um, yeah, Fiona will answer them or if it's relevant to me, I will chip in as well. And guys, as ever, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching if you're on the YouTube. And I've got to say it guys, once again, I said it at the start, thank you for people who made the time to do a rating and a review. And if you can and it's safe to do so and you've not already done so, please do. It's easy. You can scroll down in Apple iTunes or on Spotify and make that review. And if you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe because it does help the channel grow. It helps us get this information out to more people, which is ultimately why what me and Fiona do and many other professionals on this podcast do to actually help and pay it forward in our respective industries and experiences. And as ever, guys, until the next one, stay fearless. For those of you who are confused, frustrated, and sick and tired of not seeing the results that you want or deserve, make sure that you click the apply for coaching button in the description below and line up a completely free consultation with myself where we can discover if it's a good fit as client and coach and take your health and physique to the next level once and for all.